On this Brian Goff Show, I'm talking to a friend of mine. His name is Tim Cook. He is an instructor up at Hilton Head Island Sea Pines Resort. I mean, it's up for me. I'm down in Florida, so he's just a great instructor, and he's so good at talking golf, golf instruction. We're going to go on for a good hour, and it's going to be worth every second that you give it. And definitely make sure you're following Tim, Tim Cook Golf. That's Tim Cook with an E on it, golf on Instagram and Twitter. Hope you enjoy this, because I sure did. The Brian Golf Show. Four! Presented by Cobra Puma Golf. That was an excellent shot. Yeah, real good form. Tim Cook on the Hangar Hotlines, presented by Watson Golf. Welcome to the uh, the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is uh, this is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I've got sponsors and everything. That's, it's so official. And <laughs> I, I even use the Hangar occasionally in my lessons. So how about that? And I didn't even know they were going to be on the Hangar Hotline. No, I remember you getting a, a Hangar, and it definitely is a good tool. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit. I think Watson Golf will like that. But I guess I got to start with how we kind of came together. You teach a few friends of mine, a couple friends that are on tour, one of them being Chris Baker, I who do. was the last pod that uh, we just had, talking about his experience playing with Tiger Woods. No big deal. So you got to follow up that one. No big deal. I love it. Well, I'm following in Baker's footsteps. <laughs> so, Tim, you are out of Sea Pines Resort, and if I just say Sea Pines Resort, I don't know, maybe some of the diehard golfers or whatnot might know what that is. Uh, the easiest way for me to explain it is you are located at Hilton Head. Yeah, I'm up on Hilton Head Island in uh, right in the corner of South Carolina. Many of your golf fans, or I'm sure all of them will recognize Sea Pines for the Harbor Town Lighthouse, the white and red striped lighthouse in a harbor and uh once a year the always the week after augusta the masters we have the heritage uh pga tour event coming to town on the harbor town golf links so it's a good place to live good place to work you know, here we have TPC Sawgrass, right? So, you know, we've got the players. Yeah, and, that's okay. You know, that's yeah. okay. And, you know, I don't get to go out there very often. I mean, gee, I, I'm, I'm like 10 minutes down the road where I work, and I still don't go out there as often as I as I should. But it's a little bit of a factory out there, and I'm guessing maybe Hilton Head gets that a little bit too, being it's an amazing facility, and it's a resort. It is, it is. Like it's. Um, so we have three golf courses at the resort um, of the – um, Hobtown Golf Links is the primary featured golf course. And then uh, we also have Atlantic Dunes, which was redesigned by Davis Love III three, actually four years ago now. Uh, it's a wonderful golf course. And then also we have Heron Point, which is a Pete Dye facility. So where the Golf Learning Center is, which I spend my days, is actually located at the Plantation Club, which is which houses the uh, big driving range and um, Atlantic Dunes and Heron Point. And then Harbor Town is about a mile down the road from where I am sitting. Yeah, so I've been there twice and I've yet to see Harbor Town. So I, I didn't know that it wasn't no. right there like on the property. So it, it is a little bit down the down the road, just a mile or so or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's on the um, right on the, the edge of the sound. Uh, and whereas uh, where you are, where, where you came to visit me, we're basically on the ocean. Oh my God, we're that so, close. Yeah, just uh, that close. Just, just uh, um, yeah, the the ocean's the other side of those trees. Well, when I was coming, there was way too cold to be anywhere near an ocean. I can say that much. I mean, your your weather your weather in Hilton Head is a little bit more like uh, what we have here in Jacksonville, where everyone gets really excited about Florida, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to Florida, and the weather's going to be amazing. And then it's like December, January, February suck almost just as much as if you lived in Tennessee, minus the fact that, and I don't know about you, we don't, we don't ever get any snow. You guys periodically, I mean, in your time spent there, have you ever gotten snow? One time. Okay. So I have lived on the island now for um, about uh, 12 years. I've been here 12 years, and one time in 12 years, it snowed. Um, and apparently, that was the first time it snowed on Hilton Head Island in, on the island in 30 years. Oh, wow. So to say we have zero salt trucks, we have none. That's a big deal. Um, so it, it's a big deal. So it snowed, and the kicker was it snowed, and then it was actually – that week it was cold for the next five days, so we're we're just a, we're an island, so we're a whole bunch of bridges. So all the bridges are frozen, so you couldn't <laughs> go anywhere for about five days. Yeah. So, uh, um, so but that was it. So I, I, I'm okay with that. One snow in thirty years, 
that's a good ratio for me. And so now where are you from originally? Because it's a big deal. Congratulations. You are officially an American citizen. You're a United States citizen. Am I correct? You are correct. Wow. I am actually uh, um, I'm two weeks. I'm two weeks old right now. I'm wow. a two week old American. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, still in my diapers. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm, I, I grew up just outside London, so I'm a UK citizen originally, uh, but now very, very happy to be an American, live in this great country. It's a wonderful place. The opportunity is endless for me, and um, so, yeah, you're going forever and ever about how happy I am about being an American, but I truly am very proud. That's awesome. Congrats then. I mean, that's for real. That's that's Thank great. You. I mean, it's you and Thank you. you've got a couple little ones, right? Do you have a boy and a girl? Uh, I do. One of each. One of each. Ten and tw- ten and, one of each. Ten and twelve. Uh, son is twelve. Uh, my daughter is ten. Now, do they speak with any sort of accent just being around you? Is it like, you know, one of those things by association? Or are they like straight up Hilton Head, South Carolinans? Uh, (laughs) um, So, my daughter does an incredible English accent. If she really wanted to, we could drop her off in London and she would fit in in a second. She's very proud of the fact that she can switch between English and American. That's fantastic. That is a skill that I've uh, I've always wanted to acquire. I've I've even considered moving to a another country just so I could learn the craft and uh, develop the accent <laughs> and then come back to America. But so well, yeah, well, the cool. Accent goes well. I like that. So let's talk a little bit about golf and instruction and everything you got Please. going on because you know I, I'm sure not only you know someone could say all right it's a resort it's it's Hilton Head this is a big deal. But you're, you don't teach a ton of resort guests in comparison to this, like, I guess, stable you have of a lot of junior players, college players, pros, and then the has-beens like myself that will periodically come and visit you. <laughs> so uh, um, uh, you're correct. Uh, about 80% of my personal coaching is just what you described. Um so good juniors, so high school age, very good juniors, um, a ton of college players, a large num- uh, good number of pros, whether it be Aussie Baker, you, we just talked about, um, uh, some, uh, some LPGA, a uh, number of corn fairy guys, and uh, mini tours, good guys just trying to make it. I really, really enjoy working with people who want to get better. Like who really, who is that goal? Who just, um, they like to compete. They have dreams and aspirations of uh, reaching the highest level. And I just want to be part of that journey. It's, it's just fun for me to do, to help folks like that, to, uh, um, they, they want to improve. Uh, so along those lines, I still, that quote has teams, as you put it, um, like I, I enjoy med, working with like good mid ends too. Who, you know, golf is a passion for them. It's not just a hobby. It's just it's what they love, uh, and they still play some tournaments. With uh, I, I enjoy that type of lesson too. And I still I still teach uh, the occasional recreational player, but um, it's at least eighty percent. It may be a little higher than that. Probably could be closer to ninety percent of my. My personal clients are the people we just described. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, I have other people on my staff who uh, handle the resort, uh, golf schools, the recreational players, like the little kids, the club fit, yeah, you name it. Like, we have people on staff who can take care of the type of golfer you are. But my special, my passion, I guess, is the better player who sets the gold and wants to get really good. I get that because as a club fitter in the fitting bay, and it's not yep. it's not that I don't enjoy helping people improve their game, you know, that are, uh, I don't know. The best example I have is I, I've got a guy, he's like 75 years old. He was a 14 handicap. He got fit by me. We replaced everything in the bag, but we did the irons first, wedges, putter. Then we ended up like four or five months later doing his woods, and both occasions, I mean, he came to me almost in tears 
because he he improves so much. He's a he's like a nine handicap. Yeah, and and it's That's just like it's the best feeling. As much as I enjoyed that guy, uh, his name's Mister yeah. Devarney. All right, I'll never forget his name yeah. because he's he's the first yeah. guy that uh, in the fitting bay almost brought me to tears. Um, yeah, maybe best. his eyes were just watering. His eyes were just probably yeah, watering, yeah. and I took him as like yeah. his his emotions yeah. and his excitement. But Bad it was one of those allergies. things. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, Tim, I, I gained him. 20 yards, but he went from 130 to 150, you know? And it's like, wow. It's so it's not like I'm changing, you know, I'm he's going from 280 to 320 or something like that. But it was still, you know, those those experiences are great. But I really enjoy working with the guy who does the same thing every time. So that way it really kind of leans on my knowledge and expertise. And I would say, I would say sometimes knowledge is a decent player to know Mm -hmm. what this person's looking for in their golf bag. You know, they want that repeatability. And I, I know I just get so much joy out of taking that person that is already an accomplished player. And then next thing you know, they're in contention in a tournament or they've won a tournament. You know, I have so much fun doing that. Me and my uh, counterpart yep. in the fitting bay, we're always going back and forth, my player, your player. You know, we've got some tour <laughs> players that we've worked with. And it's like, yep. you know, much like you as an instructor, your your list of favorites on the PGA Tour app for Corn Ferry and PGA Tour, it's like growing, right? And like the, the kids that you watch in college, your favorites, all of a sudden that list is getting bigger and you're watching more and more people. That's what I really do enjoy as well, as far as on the fitting side. No, I, I absolutely. It is, uh, um, it's, I am starting to really look forward to Thursdays because there's somebody playing on the PGA Tour who I have, have the fortune of helping. There's somebody on LPGA, a corn ferry, like Latin America tour is about to kick off here soon. <laughs> it's uh, um, like over in Europe, like there's all these different tours and all these different players. And, um, so Thursdays are fun. It's like the, the start of a new, new week of opportunities. It's very true. Thursday is actually my day off. You know, I've, I basically get one weekday off and it's Thursday and I couldn't think for me golfing myself because when, when my friends are golfing or, you know, the tour is golfing, it pumps me up and makes me want to go golf. So I get time to do that. But then also just to be able to kind of follow along, uh, that's, that's really special, but you're in a unique spot because you're seeing junior players realize their dreams of getting a golf scholarship, going playing in, mm-hmm. in college. You're, uh, you know, teaching developmental tour players. You know, not, we're not even talking corn fair. We're talking those guys between college and between Latin America, Canada, or right. corn fair, you know, even. And you get to, like, watch these players progress. And so, you know, we can talk about Chris Baker, but there's there's really a million guys, you know, out there doing similar things on different levels, how Absolutely. how hard is it at times though as their instructor when they're not doing well and there's nothing you can do about it? <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes I I think I may care too much um, because I do want to pour everything I have into and every bit of energy I have because I I do care. I want them to do well, so. Uh, whether it's say it's say it's somebody who will take Q school last year, that's the, the ultimate test, right? Yeah. So, to what we're talking about. So, um, at first stage, I there was I had not, um, not I was super fortunate. I had nine people oh, progress wow. from first stage to second stage who got through, um, which is a, that's a lot of people, and yeah. and then it second stage of those nine, only three made it to um, final stage. So as happy as I was for the three who made it to final stage, I felt as bad for the guys who didn't make it through from second to final. Uh, that, that's a tough, that's a tough deal. So when this, and sometimes it's not struggling, like Q school is, they can play well. I, I had a couple guys miss it by a shot and, shoot multiple on the bus. Not that they play badly. They just didn't have it quite bounce their way that week. So there is a definitely, there's a definite part of coaching that is uh, psychology, right? And how, how you trying to help that person 
learn from, this is a cliche what I'm about to say, but it's, I really believe it. You, how can they learn from the failure? What did they do well that week and where can we improve as a team? That's what I ask every single one of my players after they play well or they play badly. And I normally ask the day after, not the day after. <laughs> no, you don't. Like, I'll, I'll send like a text message, right? When it's good. Like, yeah, I'll send a text yeah. message. So it's there for that person to see whenever they want. But if it was bad, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait maybe a little bit longer than a day, but I'm in a different position than you are. Yeah. Like I like to, cause there's the day, honestly, the day of, um, when you, from a coaching standpoint, when I get a phone call the day of after a poor finish, I know it's not going to be that much fun. But oh. I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with talking to that person and being their sounding board, um, and hope and just trying to help them through that situation. But then the next day, you can be productive. You can actually analyze what did they do well. There's always something positive and something that you can think well of from the tournament that they just played right and then it's like what what can we do as a team to improve like where, where do we not perform up to standards whether it be short game emotionally full swing whatever it may be right yep. uh that we can adjust the their practice plan to so next time out they can perform a little bit better it's so funny you're because you're mentioning it on like today when when we're doing this I I had a, a situation like my equivalent of that <laughs> of that phone call where you know it's like oh this this isn't gonna be a good phone call but it really wasn't a <laughs> bad one it was more like yeah. I have no idea what this is gonna be I'll bleep out the name but also fit him for a yeah. full set of clubs and this this driver that I built him he is crushing and now he's gained a lot of speed since we've since our session. I hit him up last week and he hit this drive so obnoxiously far, Tim, and it went in the water. Like it went through the fairway on a line that it never should have gone in the water. And I just text him and I was like, 352 question mark? He's like he just goes, I smashed that driver. I need 10 backups. He's like, it's, he got his driver tested today and it failed by one CT. Oh, and I'm God. sitting here going, no, that thing was perfect. Everything about it was perfect. He's been making money. Like all these great things have been happening, but that was like my equivalent when he's like, I'll call you when it's done. And I'm like, oh God, what is he going to say? Me, right? So build him a new one, get him as close as possible. Yeah. I think they're taking care of it. I think they're taking care of it. Uh, hopefully they just, as long as they keep the, uh, the nuts and bolts of what we did and it's going to go. Exactly. I mean, one yeah, then he'll, be, then he'll be good. That's incredible. <laughs> but it failed by that close. Yeah. So that being said, but, uh, yeah, it's crazy. So then how do we apply what you're saying about that level of player to, you know, the guys that are playing on the weekends, can you even apply that? Or is it more like, look, when I'm talking about practice plans and things like that, like what can we do better? Um, where's the game going at the at the amateur level past tournament golf? Correct. So like, yeah, for the, for the, the guy or girl who goes out there once a week and or once or twice a month, even yeah. uh, they have, maybe they have, maybe they play once every two weeks and they practice once every two weeks. We'll go like really low end volume. Um, even that, player can have some type of game plan and the on course game plan. And I mean this as truthfully as I possibly can. And it's not that hard when they play the course aim in the middle of the green. And I know that sounds obvious, but don't aim. If you want to score better, if you're an 18 handicap or we'll say double digit handicap, probably, um, or and above, like your disbursement pattern will be large. Like the guys on the PGA tour, their disbursement pattern, they don't throw dots every single time. They miss a little bit left, a little bit right within a shot pattern. So those of us who only get to play once or twice a month, our shot pattern is wider than that. Um, so find out where the middle of the green is and try to land it near that spot. Because then if you miss a little bit right, a little bit left, you'll score better. So just having... The quickest way to have more fun and shoot lower scores if you're a double-digit handicap, it sounds obvious, but aim in the middle of the green and be okay with missing it a little bit left and a little bit right because you're going to. And then <laughs> next thing you know, you're putting a whole bunch 
and you're not short-sighting yourself and making doubles and triples from awkward spots, you're thinking a whole bunch of pies and birdies and pies and bogeys and having, having a blast. So that'll be a course management way that I think everybody can apply. And I know it seems way too obvious and way too easy, but it's exceptionally hard to do to play 18 holes trying to hit the ball in the middle of the green yeah, as, I... a, as an objective. Yeah, it's like seems so easy, and it, people like they ever, the world's handicap would in golf would drop if yeah. we were just into the middle. I'm sitting here um, like you're you're kind of regurgitating some of my thoughts that I had the other day when I was talking to somebody about my wedge game. I was like, you know, I don't practice outside a lot, which means I don't practice mm-hmm. like uh, probably my thirty to sixty yard, thirty to seventy yard game is probably a weak point in my in my game. And I was talking to somebody in the fitting band. I go, you know, it hit me the other day when I was playing golf. If I just hit it to mm-hmm. 90 to 105 yards, I'd probably have a 25 footer or less every time. And eventually I'd hit it close or I'd make a 25 footer. Instead, yeah, I'm play put, on the instead, I'm putting myself like 30 and 40, 50, 60 yards. It's such a crafty shot. It's just so difficult. You know, so many things come into play with that. But you just spawned an idea, which is to film a YouTube video, maybe it's a part one and a part two, where I aim at every pin for 18 holes and I aim at the middle of green for 18 holes and I see which score is lower. I would love it. That would be phenomenal. Like, it would be great because you you down-talk your game at the beginning of this phone call and you're pretty darn good. Like, you're way above, <laughs> you're not giving yourself enough credit as to how good you are at the game. Like, you can hit good shots. So, I think it would be a phenomenal test because you aim right at every pin, whether it's top to or not, yeah. or just trying to hit it in the middle and watch you shoot. I think that'd be fantastic. I think it's just a great so, uh, idea. That, yeah, that would, be, that would be my advice for the masses from a strategy standpoint. And then te- the technique question is hard because it depends on what they do doing it's so different for every single person in in terms of what their tendencies are i would probably say from a technique standpoint i would actually say if possible when you're on the range before you hit before you go to the course hit two different targets so if you're only going to hit balls before you go play just make sure you actually aim at a target on the driving range before you go out just so your mindset you're in a more of a performance mindset. You're getting ready to, obviously, warming up your muscles on the driving range and getting your body ready to go, but you're also trying to get your mind ready to hit a ball towards a target and change the target from right and left. So you're walking through some routines, which is kind of what you're doing at the golf course. Like you, you're going to hit a shot, walk to the next one, hit another shot. So you <laughs> give it some time. You walk, through your, walk through your routine. And, and if, you, if you're on the driving range before you go out, just don't do every shot, but at least five or six balls on the range. Like go through your full routine, change target, and actually try and get your mind ready to hit a golf ball towards the target. Um, that would be my technical advice, which could help the masses, should we say. And nobody does that. No, I mean, like no golfer does that. I've got people all the time. I'll ask them first thing, what do you, what do you normally warm up with? And they're like, uh, normally I'll hit like three or four wedges and go to the first tee. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, Man, yeah. I mean, body-wise, you are not ready to go play. But to your point, mind-wise, yeah, mind-wise, you're not mentally ready to probably go play around a golf. But everybody plays differently, you know. But I, I think when somebody comes to, you know, a place like Club Champion where I work and, and gets fit, yep. they're pretty serious. Or if somebody's coming to Absolutely. you for lessons, then they're pretty serious. You know, they're they're coming to someone Absolutely. that obviously takes your craft very serious. So, you know, you, you go to a good instructor and you probably care about your your game. Now, if you're just wanting to learn the game, then maybe you're just going to go to your club pro and be like, hey, you know, Tim Tim Bob, whatever, you know, Bobby yeah. Bobby Tims, can you help me out and give me a $30 lesson for an hour or $30 for 30 minutes? Not that that's so bad, but I just think when somebody comes to you, they take it pretty serious. So the things you're saying should kind of hit home in a sense. Yeah, no question. I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just the same way working at club champion. It's, uh, if someone's coming to you for you for a club fit or they're coming from me for a coaching program, they're into it. They are, they love the game and they want to improve. And that's who I want to work with. Well, and mentally, I've been thinking about it more lately. And, you know, with the passing of Kobe Bryant, who is one of the best, if not the best basketball player of all time and one of the greatest athletes, but more than, I think, mm-hmm. anything from an athletic standpoint, 
Um, the thing that everyone's more impressed with is his work ethic and his mental side of things, which is, you could say the same thing mirrors Tiger Woods, right? Obviously, Correct. you know, the, the Tiger and the MJs and the Kobe Bryants of the world, they want to beat you so bad and, yeah. and they don't so practice yeah. without purpose. And for me, it's, it's very much, I, it kind of hit me and I'm like, you know, I really can't remember the, the last time, probably the last time I actually hit a golf ball with intent was maybe in the U S open qualifier. Maybe so yeah. a year ago, almost at this point was the last mm -hmm. time I hit a ball with the intent of the result going exactly where I would like it to go in a sense, right? Aim at this target, yep. hit at this target. So with that being said, I go, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, that's pathetic. Actually, that's a pathetic way to try and play golf. <laughs> like, why am I even here if I'm not actually trying to do something and, and execute? And I think it, I think it goes one you know, mentally I go, well, I haven't been practicing much. So how, how could I have high expectations? But then I think it also comes to the whole, you know, aim small, miss small, uh, in a sense, mm -hmm. is there validity in all of that? Uh, I, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think players should have, they should expect great shots, like expect to hit a good one, but you have to be able to accept wherever the heck the golf ball goes and recover from it. And then it becomes a challenge. How do you, can you accept the challenge of a missed shot? Like you had great intentions, you picked a phenomenal target, you swung aggressively to that very specific target, but it goes hard. Like the wind's gust when you don't expect it to, and the ball gets thrown into a bunker. Well, can you accept that bad luck that the golfing gods just pushed down upon you? Hit a great bunker shot and try and take par. I think that's the beauty of the game and being able to really just pick a really good tiger says this all the time like pick a really good conservative target and swing aggressively at it that actually makes a lot of sense exactly up, right like like pick a target that's conservative don't aim it although you're going to do it for our experiment you're going to aim it every pin no outside I'm gonna, of that round yeah no like, i'm going to do that outside of that i think it's going to be phenomenal outside of that experimental round Pick like a good conservative target. Now, a conservative target does not mean for a tournament flag, does not mean aiming 40 feet away from the flag, because now you're going to three putt. A conservative target may be the water to the left of the pin, which is tucked four paces from the edge. So try and pick the ball 15 feet right, which would, uh, of the flag, which would be 25 feet to the right of the water. That's a conservative target, but swing aggressively at it. Be assertive in your swing to that point. I think that is uh, critical outside of our experimental round where you're going right at it. <laughs> we're getting ready to go to Tennessee for uh, five days. So we're going to be, Mel and Gavin want to see snow. So we're going to go see some snow, I guess, up in Gallenberg, Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains. Whenever Love I get it. back from that, I am making it a point to do this experiment. I think for me, it's, 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 be great. it's very tough for um, me because I don't have a lot of passion for YouTube, even though I just started a channel and all of that. Like my passion isn't necessarily in doing a bunch of videos. It's like whenever a video comes to my mind and I want to do it, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to do it. But this gave me reason to do, because people always ask me to do course vlogs. Like you should start doing course vlogs. Ah. And I'm like, well, yeah. there's got to be intent behind a course vlog. I don't think anybody, and I don't think it's beneficial to any audience to just play golf and here's me playing whatever nine holes of golf. I just, I don't think that's, but with yeah, I, this, I, I, think it's great. I, I personally, yeah, I personally never watch those ones. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you know, and I wouldn't even expect you to watch mine other than these. This is no, no, I'm watching it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be critiquing your swing on the back end. Oh God. So let's, can we, can we talk <laughs> about golf swing? So I can say this, Tim, and I've, yeah. you know, I've, I've worked with a couple great instructors since the last time I worked with you. Uh, the only reason I don't work with you is because you are in Hilton Head and I, I was in Miami and then I was, now I'm in Jacksonville and we obviously have great instructors all around. Um, but Correct. with that being said, oh my God, I'm so tired of instruction and I'm, I'm, I'm like exhausting myself. <laughs> I feel like I've been eight different golfers. I don't feel like I have played good golf, real good golf. in like the last year I've hit good golf shots, but I, I can't remember the last time that I've put together really good stretches of golf. And, um, I don't know if it's just because there's 
there's too much different stuff out there, you know, with the, you know, maybe what someone teaches and then what I hear online or see online. And, you know, I, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe I just don't practice properly when I do, you know, get instruction, even though I, I hit it, I've hit 12,000 golf balls in my TrackMan Bay in the past year. Okay. So I've hit a lot of golf balls and I have the, the, the stats to prove it. Okay. Um, and, and that number climbs every day because I, any chance I get, I'll, I'll hit balls before work, after work, between fits, like whatever I got to do to hit some golf balls, I'll do it. But I'm starting to wear myself out. And I can say that one of my favorite things about working with you was you're so good at talking through the lesson and, and golf. Like in a sense, I almost, I almost want to call upon you to just like, I'm going to be like, Tim, I'm going to just go hit golf balls on your driving range. And every hour, come over for three minutes and just yeah. talk to me for like three minutes because it, it really does make a big difference as opposed to, you know, hitting 50 golf balls under, you know, an instructor's watchful eye. So you, you get what I'm saying, though? Like, what is going on with instruction nowadays? And are you finding that obviously everyone learns differently? And do you Correct. clearly teach them all differently? Or do you still have kind of that same idea of how you're going to execute a lesson? Um, phenomenal question. I think I, every single instructor is going to have some preferences. If they say they have no preferences, I say they're lying. So without question, I'm going to have things that I prefer in golf swing. Having said that, um, there is so much great research from, uh, biomechanics standpoint, 3D motion, um, there's so much great information and in, in on the golf swing right now. So if your instructor is well read, he can read it, he can gain a wealth of knowledge. Now the key is, I think for an instructor is to not show the student how much they know. It's <laughs> to you for the instructor to gain all this knowledge that is readily available for them. Um, if they just do a little reading and then boil it down to some very easy to understand swing feel or swing thought or practice regimen for the student in front of them to make them perform at the best. I think it's very easy to for the student in today's age to roll through roll through the gram and see lots of great tips that are out there. And there's some really good stuff, but you've got to make sure if you're following like an instructor online that um, the tip that they give can apply to your golf swing because <laughs> yeah. it won't always apply. And I, I post stuff on Instagram, right? And uh, occasionally I'll put the odd tip and stuff out there too and hopefully it helps people, but I always do it with slight fear that I may hurt someone because uh-huh. hopefully that tip can apply to everyone that's out there or as many people as possible that's out there. Um, sometimes I'll post a student swing I'm working with. I'll post a swing and I may make a comment or two as to what, to what I'm working with them on, if they're okay with that. Uh, truly, because it can help folks. Oh, that's kind of what I'm doing in my golf swing. I can try that idea now. So you have to be smart. You have to be a smart internet shopper. If you're <laughs> doing your golf instruction online, make sure it applies to you. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. Now you can follow Tim on Instagram and Twitter. It's uh, Tim Cook Golf. It's C O O K E. Got to have that. Is the E an English thing? Is that was that what that is? Very, very, very English. Very Maybe I English. Drop it now that I'm American, right? Oh yeah, you should just take that <laughs> yeah. thing out, man. You change the whole family's right. name. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you, just change everyone's name. You can find Tim on Instagram for sure. I mean, lots of video on Instagram, lots of video of a lot of players, not a lot of you on there. I would like to see more Tim Cook on your Instagram. Can I just give you that one little thing? Even if it's just you, you know what I would love to see is for someone to do the fly on the wall thing and get a a five minute video, throw it on Instagram TV where it's just E-E-L-I-T-T-D. listening in on your lesson, just listening in on your lesson with, with, uh, you know, somebody, whoever it could be, whether it's, you know, a pro or someone that you're working with that gives you permission. Yep. 
I just, I just love, and I think people would really benefit from just hearing your delivery and the way you talk to students through your sessions. Um, all right, I'll do it. I like the idea. This is perfect. This is like an, this is like a content creating phone call here too. I love it. I didn't mean the, for it to uh, be like that. You know? You've got, you got, you got two YouTube videos coming up, and I've got like good IG. I like that. We're gonna <laughs> do an IGTV deal. <laughs> so good. Well, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, maybe, maybe eventually they, uh, they coincide and I can come back up, see you and, and work with you out there. Cause uh, I just, I mean, I, whatever, even if it's Instagram, just Instagram may break, if we do that, I it, mean, come on. Potentially. Right. Uh, so what, what do you, you know, like, what are you finding with Instagram and you, like, are you getting business through Instagram or like, how are people discovering you? So um, Instagram is definitely a marketing tool for me. There's no question about it. The I'll have folks will direct. I, I'm very fortunate. I don't mean I don't want to sound egotistical when I say this, but I turn down more lessons than I give. So people definitely do direct message me on Instagram, and and if they're um, patient, like, and I, I always apologize. I'm like, so kind of bad. Can you like wait three months? Four months, and I get them in. Um, so, uh, so some folks I, I meet, and and again, I kind of enjoy, I enjoy that because if they're reaching out to me on a direct message and they're willing to travel to see me for a golf lesson, I want to give them the greatest experience possible. I want to make their golf game better, and I'll do follow up. I'll do whatever I need to do to make them better. So, I definitely get um, sessions by that. Um, I do not, I just turned one down today. I, someone asked me a direct message. I get this probably at least every other day. If I do into, if I do online lessons, I currently do not, um, just cause I don't have time. So I do online lessons for, for my current students. So if I'm seeing you in the 3d flesh, shall we say, then yes, I'll do some internet lessons for those folks. But if I don't know you or haven't had no prior, um, swing sessions with you right. in person, then I don't, it, it's just too hard. I just, I just don't feel like it's honestly, I don't feel like I can give a good enough product that way. I've never seen somebody before. Um, it's really hard. Like if you sent, Brian, if you sent me a video, um, I could do an online lesson for you. Cause I, I know your tendencies, uh, right? I could like, I could kind of figure it out. Don't talk so, to me about my tendencies. Uh, when listen, no, for, we, we won't bring up your grip. When yeah, I, um, oh my god, the grip! When I when I met Tim and the first time, and I he's like, "What? So what are we trying to do?" And I'm like, "I'm trying to get the ball to move right. I want to move the ball left to right. I want to hit a little cut." And you go, "Oh, you'll cut it. It's just going to be a five yard draw." I was like, "Oh, yeah. way to crush my dreams! I mean, my dreams are crushed." It's okay. I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, you know what I've been messing with, and, and it's because I saw Tony Finau hit a ball at waste management on uh, I think yep. it was his tee shot on Sunday on 17. Very narrow stance. Well, not very narrow, but narrower than yep. what I do now. Like really opening up my left stance and and or my left foot. So I just open my stance. I, I can I can picture what you're doing. Yeah, you're flaring your front front foot out for like eleven ten yeah. thirty eleven o'clock. Oh, and I'm just trying to get you know whatever. I'm just trying to get the ball to move left to right, and I can do it. But I, I just go, well, how much of it is like a push cut or something like that? And if if I can play a push cut, I'm just so tired of, you know, like the other day I went out with Baker and I haven't been playing at all lately, but, you know, it is what it is. And I, I mean, I sliced one off the first tee. Granted, it was like a 40 mile an hour win left to right. I, 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 par I parked one off the second tee. It was great. Third tee, I duck hooked it. I mean, it went 80 yards and went left instantly off the toe. And I'm like so tired of that. I just want to aim left. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm sitting there on the golf course trying to hit cuts. And uh, obviously, I could probably aim right and hit a swooping high school hook all day long. But I just want the ball to move left to right so bad. We just want, it, we just want a baby fade. We're not asking for too much. I, I just, you know what, though? Tim, I feel like if I could aim left and know that it won't go yep. further left than where I'm aiming, really, I feel like on days it'll take pressure off my long game and I could spend more time practicing my short game and I can be a good enough putter to where I could like win golf tournaments. And that's, that's true. No, there's some, there's some brilliance to that statement actually for everyone out there. Like I definitely, I, I like people to have the ability to hit the golf ball and turn it in both directions. 
having said that, I really like it when players have one shot, like whether it's a fade or a draw, and that's just what they do. Um, so it's very boring, very repetitive. Um, but they can turn it the other direction if they need to. So, like, as you said, like, you just want to, if you aim down the left side, you know it's going to, like, bleed off to the right. Golf gets easier. I've also kind of succumbed, and I'm curious what you think of distance, because we have people all the time come in, and they go, oh, I don't need to hit the ball farther. And I'm like, everybody needs to hit the ball farther. But then I'm sitting here in a place where I go, you know, I I can hit it pretty deep sometimes, but... Yeah, you could move it. You can move it. Man, I get a foul ball and it, it doesn't matter. And it's like if I could somehow find a way to still hit it 290 to 310 instead of 300 to 320, then I'm probably going to be a better golfer if I'm in play more, right? So how do we uh, balance correct. that? How do we balance? Because there's this huge push for speed now. And obviously speed matters. I mean, Hank Haney will straight up say, if you got speed, you can play golf. Correct. And, 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 and there's all sorts of degrees of like how fast you need. So my objective with every single one of my players is to have them hit it as far as possible, yet hit as many fairways as possible. Because there is, yes, if you hit it, if you are Rory Long, Dustin Johnson Long, then you can get away with like hitting it crazy far and being in the edge of the rough you can make a whole lot of birdies from the middle of the fairway. You can't make, you won't make as many birdies from the, from the rough or the trees. You make a whole bunch of doubles of the trees. Oh. Uh, so my objective always from a, when I'm, and I'm using, whether I'm using like pressure plates or track band, whatever I'm doing, I'm trying to get the um, data that the machines and the technology has given me so I can make that person hit as many fairways as possible. And, um, yeah, still hit it far. So I have some guys who like really bomb it, but I still want them to hit it in the fairway. And yeah. I'll give up a little yardage if it has them hit two to three more fairways around. Yeah. Well, and at my course that I play, you know, primarily Fleming Island Golf Club across the street from my house, there's, there's the places where you can miss. And, you know, that's why I do okay there. But then there's fairways that you absolutely have to hit. And, you know, it's like what I've noticed though is, I shoot the same damn thing whether I got six iron in my hand or, or nine iron in my hand on some of these holes. And it's just like, mm -hmm. at, at what point is it just kind of about golfing your ball, as they say, and just going out and playing golf? And I think I started chasing distance and, uh, you know, I got my speed up. So as I can swing, you know, easily 117 to 120. And um, I mean, on track band, I mean, on foresight, GC yep. quad, I can swing 125. It's freaking amazing just because it reads, obviously, the club differently. It, it reads the, the face. Yeah, it reads it at, it reads it at first touch. Yeah. The impact interval. Right. So, I, you know, I obviously like that. But uh, today in the in the bay, I, I cut down my driver 45 inches so it's shorter and uh, to yep. help make it lighter because I felt like my swing weights were so heavy that I was fighting it and it was creating bad habits in my swing. Um but I lighter and I'm still swinging at like 113 and 114, 115. And I feel like that's enough, right? I mean, I'm like, I'm not crazy yeah, here. I mean, if you, no, it's great. You're going to fly at 290, it's going to roll out to 310, and you're going to be in more failures. Hopefully. That works. Last time I checked. <laughs> as soon as last uh, time I checked. But yeah, from a track man, like track man, so the next time you're on track, well, tomorrow maybe when you're hitting in the bay. Uh, when you're on track man, like, uh, I prefer if someone's anywhere from one down to uh, two and a half, three degrees up, like uh, I find that's a good, you know, we're only looking at that one variable or that one number. Um, if, if you're between one down and about three up, that's a nice window for a lot of golfers to arrange to maximize distance yet still hits a lot of fairways. Yeah, obviously if you hit five up, you'll hit it further, but you'll also hit more crooked. I feel like I hit it so much more crooked when I hit up on it. And I, I do, you know, so I say last year there over summer, I was hitting like one and two down on my driver and I was hitting more fairways than yeah. ever. Um, yeah. I really and was. If you're, if you're, yeah. If you're, if you're swinging 120 plus, you don't need to hit up on it. I, I would love you to be one down. You'd hit so much more on fairways. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Brooks Kepka is a couple down. And I use him yeah, as an example yeah. all the time. And, you know, a lot of times too, because we sit here and we chase numbers. You work with TrackMan all the time. And I know yeah. play, players, you know, on the, on the tee probably get infatuated with that just like they do in the uh, fitting bay. But, 
you know, a lot of times they start looking at, they want the, they're always like, I want it to be the same every time, every time. And I want the the height to be the same. Cause I tell them, you know, I I want your height around like 90 feet or something like that. And then they hit one that's, Mm -hmm. you know, they nuke it and they hit a 120 in the air as far as 120 feet. And they're like, ah, but it was too high. And I go, no, 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 no. For that swing, 120, that was amazing. You just picked up 10 or 15 yards because of that. And then the next one they'll hit. 85. And I, and I tell them all the time, like I'll use Brooks Kepkin. I'll go, have you ever watched Brooks Kepkin, Rory McIlroy play around a golf and look at the shot tracer and what it says the apex is and notice that it's always different depending on the shot they're playing. Right. And not enough players yep. look at that. No, I agree. It's uh, I, I it's, there's not an absolute number for every golfer. There's a range for every golfer when you're working with data to, to help them perform their best. You're just trying to you're trying to get them in the right in the right range for them. And how much data? So you use TrackMan, and I know you use Swing Catalyst, the pressure plates, which blew my mind the I first do, time yeah. I was on them. Um, you know, I I still love pressure plates. But then, um, you know, we talked a little bit about like the hanger from Watson Golf, and I know that there's a lot of mm-hmm. other training aids out there. When in those sessions, I, I think the only training aid you ever used with me was a deflated basketball. And it's my, it's my love and hate drill. I love it and hate it all at the same time. What, um, what kind of things do you integrate into your lessons? And in that moment, are you like, yeah, I need to go grab this because this person needs to feel this now. Um, that happens a lot. Like (laughs) if you spend, if someone spent a day watching me on the tee, every now and again, they'd see me, uh, tell the students hold on a second, I'll be right back and I'll go run to the learning center to go grab something, whether it's a swimming pool noodle, like an extra couple aim rods, uh, like the lazy basketball, the Watson hanger or whatever it may be, you know, um, the, uh, yeah, this, this is, I think training aids, uh, they're very, for the moment, they can help with a feel, they can help with education as to, for the student as to what you want them to do. And so there can be some understanding as to the why of the, the, of the ball flight errors occurring as to, and why we need to make an adjustment in their motor pattern. And then, so yes, yeah, so, so training aids are great for feel and great for knowledge um, and hopefully speed the learning curve, at least from an understanding standpoint. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't use a training aid often, but like, you know, the, the hanger, for instance, I will use mm-hmm. that once every three or four months. I will, I will need to come back to that feeling, right? So yeah, I'll need absolutely. to come back to a feeling that I found once that I liked, whatever it may be. Um, you know, it's, you know, for, for me, I notice, and this is my favorite metric. I talk about it all the time. Anybody that listens to this podcast knows that I talk about this and love this, but my favorite metric, and I can kind of tell where my swings at based off my dynamic loft with every club. Um, it is my absolute favorite thing to look at. And that's kind of whenever I notice that creeping up, I know that my right hand's yeah. probably passing my left a little bit or I'm losing that angle. And that's when I'll bring the, uh, the hanger into play. Correct. Yeah, exactly. You see the data, you see the data and then you apply a few, you, you get a feel from that hanger. So whenever you attach an aid like the hanger or a, say a tour strike, a smart ball, you know, the little like inflatable ball with a, lanyard around that you stick around your neck that you stick between your the, the inflatable ball you put it right between your forearms it's something like that you're trying to like pay attention when you use those devices to what it feels like because you're not going to play golf with them so you're trying to figure out to you the golf you the person teaching the golf school what is it what does it make you do what does it make you feel what are you seeing uh and then you and then you take that and try and recreate that same sensation without it just kind of go back and forth. I think that's what tra- if training aids are used the right way. They shouldn't be a crush. They should be an educational feel tool. Yeah, I think sometimes they get a bad rap because I think people want to use them as a crutch, right? Like, oh, if I just do this inside every day, it's going to be okay. But it takes a lot more yeah, than that, but right? You, you, it's a lot more than that. You got to pay attention. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not just, yeah, you actually have to like think about, take practice things, think about, think and feel what that device is doing to your golf swing and then, and then see if you can recreate it without the device. Yeah. And that's always the toughest part is once the device goes away or once the instructor walks away, you know, like everything's good in front of good old Tim, 
But as soon as Tim walks away, this next swing ain't going to be so good. But it's okay because I'm just going to I'm going to retee it. I'm going to pretend that never happened. And I'm just going to try and do it again. How much golf are you playing, Tim? Do you ever get a play? Because I know you I've seen you swing. You got a good swing. I mean, tall guys got to, you know, we got to get together. We got to band together. Whenever I see a tall guy swing, I'm like, yes, that's somebody's swing that I want to see more often. So how much are you getting to play? So I am playing like unfortunately very little right now. I'm I'm playing probably as little right now as I have been in my entire life, uh, and I still love to play. I love to practice. I will say the one part of my of my game that is still up to sh- is in good shape is my short game, because six days a week I'm I'm at least once a day I'm having a contest with a player. On short <laughs> Because there's nothing like testing them, right? Like, yeah. can you put a little pressure on someone, and I can see how they perform with just a little extra added pressure. So, uh, so with the, with the tour guys and girls, I often tell them that their goal is that their chipping that has to be better than mine because they're playing. Their livelihood depends on it. Right. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I don't think because of that, I purposely make my show my chipping is always in good shape. That's good. That actually makes so much sense. It's it's not even funny, right? I mean, you, you know how often somebody will hit a drive in the bay and they're like, well, let me see you do it. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be great. First swing. And it's always perfect. Always perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Oh, my yes. God. Gun for the day. That's my one. Yep. I'm like 100 <laughs> for 100 in those situations. So. Well, look, Tim, I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, schedules align, schedules are tough, you're busy, and, and I, I live three hours away, but um, maybe I will see you at Harbortown this year, because um, I'm, I'm trying to make it to as many of those events as I possibly can, so it'd be, obviously, be awesome. yeah, it'd be great to see you. I know you're busy that week, probably not so much lessons, but do you guys do, like, corporate, you know, you know, instruction and things like that? It's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a busy week, there's a lot going on. Um, but if you're here, I'm seeing you. Good. All right. And then we'll make that, we'll make that happen. And then I will not come back until you can play a round of golf. All right. Simple as that. I'll see you in 2021. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's messed up. All right. We'll make it happen. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, we'll do it before then. The Brian Golf Show presented by Cobra Puma Golf. Now that you're Brian Golf Show family, here's where I need your help. We'll do it after every pod. Shoot me a DM or tweet me what you learned on the show today after listening. And I'll throw you in an exclusive contest for some random Cobra Puma Golf gear. Never know what it could be. One month could be a driver. One month could be some hats. One month could be this, that. But for every 50 entries we get, we'll pick a winner to keep it exclusive. Thank you so much for your support. Now, you could tell your friends about the Brian Golf Show. Thanks.